Hey everybody, it's Ian King, founder of King Sports International, author of a number of books on training and innovative number of training techniques used throughout the world. Today's huddle, we're going to focus on a question from one of our avid readers, and we appreciate the genuineness of his question. It's a question that I believe many have uh, throughout their career, and we'll seek to answer that question and broaden the answer to other other uh, sectors of the training community as well. So. This is what the, the young man said. He said, I want to know what kind of muscle gains you've seen on authentically natural athletes and what typical gains can be expected, provided training, nutrition, recovery is in check. I think bogus claims and embellishment of the internet and drug use has completely skewed perceptions of what is achievable for the average person. It's enough that an average training may become disillusioned, even if they're not doing exceptionally well, not that I'm disillusioned, I love training, but I'm sick of hearing Johnny Roydhead at 175 centimetres, 100 kilos, 5% body fat claiming his natural after two years of training. Do you have any existing information about this or would you consider addressing it in an upcoming huddle? And that is a fantastic question and worded in a very polite and respectful manner which we appreciate and we are dedicating today's huddle to that question. So, pretty broad question, I know, but um, let's start you know, from uh, directly answering this question. So, general bodybuilding, getting buffed, uh, getting bigger and stronger, getting leaner, etc. What sort of expectations can he have on himself as a clean athlete? What's to take that away? Sure. <clears throat> Well, expectation obviously down to the individual, but you can definitely achieve a phenomenal physique as a natural. I know quite a few bodybuilders who are, have exceptional physiques, and, and they are natural. They just have to really take care in many of the other areas. So often people will take the immediate gratification of let's get on the juice, which isn't necessarily the, the best bet. If you lay the foundation and you cover all your variables, so your nutrition's really dialed in, you're getting adequate amounts of sleep, supplement regimes um, optimal and your mindset's there and obviously the intensity when you train when you cover those bases really well and your mindset's obviously in the right place magic can happen I think often too often in the cases people want that result yesterday they eat crap they think they'll shortcut it by getting on the gear or peer pressured by other people whereas yeah there is definitely a lot that can be done through that and then the other variables are you know there's a whole bunch flexibility even part of it as well in terms of recovery but also the lengths of the muscle for growth so there's a lot of variables just most people don't tend to explore them that's a, a bit of a touch on it for now so in your opinion what 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 level of, of, of results can you expect to get clean? well people i know that they're ranging from national champions so they're they're pretty high level so i don't know what world champion per se but national level is still pretty high level they're very focused. They definitely are very disciplined and their lifestyle is orientated around their training. But I guess that's the price you pay if you want to be at the top of your game, regardless of what sport you're in. So what you're saying is if, if they're living a very disciplined lifestyle, that they're, they can aim pretty high. Definitely. But there's that disclaimer that apart from, or in addition to the disciplined lifestyle, in other words, if you're eating junk food or partying, etc., not getting sleep, not getting your clean nutrition, there's also that additional factor of time and 
being patient for that, yes? Most definitely. I'd say delayed gratification is the key and paying your dues, especially earlier on in the piece. Excellent. So that's a, an insight from a strongman athlete himself, a competitive powerlifter. Now, how we go with this subject in relation to other training sectors such as uh, competitive athletes and other disciplines or other sports? And the question that the, the question that I would ask would be, what's their training environment? So outside of, and we've alluded to it already, but outside of outside of the gym, what things are in place to support what they're doing in the gym? Give us an example, Mike. Uh, let's see, your sleep, your nutrition, uh, your recovery, uh, your stress levels, your family life, just to name a few. Is you have that... an occupation outside of, outside of training? If so, what is it? Yeah, very, very important. And I believe one of the limiting factors is not just the recovery, but all that is incredibly important, including sleep uh, and the discipline of when to go to sleep. And I love hearing stories of how Reg Park used to ask people to leave his home if they're still there around, you know, as I understand, around about 9 o'clock at night. You know, he made it very clear that he's going to bed. You, you've got to leave now. So he, he lived his life with incredible discipline. I, I rate him as one of the last high-level clean bodybuilders. One of the things that I've noted definitely during the 70s and 80s, etc., moving forwards is the, the training programs, and that's something I've spoken out a lot, written a lot about in terms of training volume. I, found that I find the volume and the, and the frequent use of intensity uh, would leave only, only one conclusion, that you would need drugs to get a result, because the body can't generally speaking, recover from the training loads that have been popularised in the in the bodybuilding magazines uh, and by many um, inverted commas experts. So, as you know, I've promoted a, a, a number of sets. When talking about number of sets, is a measurement of volume between somewhere between 8 and 12, typically for an advanced level athlete training with higher intensity, so the volume's pretty low. And most people wrap that up in one, in, in one muscle group, etc. So, I think one of the greatest obstacles to getting results clean is being willing to train differently to everybody else. What about other sports? Are there other sports where you'd say you forget about it, um, you're not going to succeed clean, or can we compete in all sports? No, we can definitely compete in all sports, and obviously as um, coaches with KSI, we've had those experiences um, in a lot of different sports in a lot of different parts of the world. So it's definitely possible and it takes a, a very different approach to the mainstream. And the fact that this um, reader is asking this question would suggest that uh, he or she will get a different result because they're asking better questions. And that's one of the things that needs to happen if people wish to achieve, you know, be five percenters, so to speak, um, in an area or in any area in life that... 95% cannot get, and he's, he or she is absolutely spot on um, with their concerns. So in terms of sport, it's absolutely doable. It's fairly uncommon, I'd suggest, particularly at the high levels of sport, to achieve those kinds of things. But particularly in the more alactic or power or intermittent type sports, um, there, there are athletes around who obviously.
actually bring some sort of um, genetical advantage. There's no doubt about that. They do exist. However, with really great training, with really good GPPs um, or back-to-back GPPs over a couple of years in particular, you can do some phenomenal things with the body. Um, or I should say the body comes into a phenomenal condition as a byproduct of the training. So uh, and a, there's a, there are a number of athletes around who have incredible physiques who play sport and their physique's just a byproduct of what they do. They're not even training to look in a certain manner, but they do look that way simply as a as an offshoot from their training. So it's definitely doable. It's fairly uncommon. You'd have to have a lot of control over the training, both the on um, the dry land and the and the specific training for it to happen. You need to control a lot of environments. So this goes over and above just the you know eating, sleeping, etc. You actually have to control the training, the volume. You don't necessarily control competition, so that obviously has a big impact as well. And if you're travelling internationally, you don't control that as well. So you even have to go the extra mile in those situations. But we've, we've all seen it done, and we all know it's possible if someone's committed. There, there is, having said that, there is, I would suggest, a, a continuing grow, movement towards uh, increased frequency of drug use in, in, in sports, in sports that, say, 20 years ago, I wouldn't have seen them. And that's not to suggest that the athletes can't compete clean. I'm just suggesting that, from what I'm seeing, they're, irrespective of what the sporting bodies are telling their their fans and what their their so-called um, drug testing is is controlling, that it's certainly not not moving in a in a drug-free direction. As, as Mitchell spoke about, we we take great delight in helping athletes compete against others and dominating. In fact. Uh, in the absence of some of the other strategies used by the majority. There are some other interesting phenomena that I'm seeing, and I'll be concerned not only by the popular articles or magazines or uh, programs written by inverted commas experts who don't really know how to train clean, but there's also no checks and balances on who speaks at professional organisation presentations on, on this subject. So I, I believe young coaches coming into the industry get information that is skewed towards uh, training programs where they would need to have some help with their recovery. And we've seen that um, in different parts of the world. We've seen national bodies of organisations um, not openly doing that, but it's not hard to put one and two together and see that that's the case. So, and I think, as you said earlier about the increasing drug use in sport, I'd suggest in, in the information people are exposed to as well, the, the shares of information, they're probably going that way as well. And um, it's not looking good for future generations. Very, very difficult from a, if they're willing to uh, non-conform, I guess it makes it tough to non-conform. I mean, the uh, there are, there's too many influences heading in that direction for them, which is why the education material we've provided in the Get Buff range and similar have been so valuable for those who want to find an alternative. In fact, it's been one of the things we've done over many decades now is, is give athletes an alternative so they know they can, can succeed without going down the same path as many others. And touching on that, especially say get buff four, 
the detail in terms of recovery on there, breaking down the, the nutrients and the chapters in sleep, what, that is so, so thorough and over and beyond what you'd get in a, any traditional writing. So recommended if the, the reader has looked at Give Up 1, 2, or 3, without trying to sound like an advertisement, the stuff in, in the Give Up 4 is, is phenomenal on recovery and the options you have for that. So I think if most people on the planet address that, they will realise they can get a, a fantastic result without having to resort to, you know, supplement S, to put it politely. Yeah, so that's a lot of information that's not readily available, though. You don't often get information to that depth because... Uh, I don't know, maybe the demand's not there or it's not sexy, there's for whatever reason, and as you said, the, the, the intent of the Get Buff program is to provide people with the information to truly get the result so I'll, I find that so many people stop at Get Buff 1, they don't go deep in the, in the content, the content is sequential it is only the, the truly the only um, sequel in the marketplace where one book builds on the content of the prior book So, so just, to add, just to add something there with, with the content, I mean, those programs you talk about that are common, that people are using, that, uh, I mean, they're missing so much in the in a program, let alone being inadequate for someone that would be drug-free, but they're missing so many variables that are in Get Buffed One that could help them change their body dramatically let alone what's in Get Buff 2, 3, 4, and 5, and the importance of it being in that sequence too. So they're missing out right from the start, and a lot of people see it as something's wrong with them and their body, but the programs are are just as uh, damaging as that mindset. Yeah, excellent. So there's been a fair bit of misinformation put in the marketplace. I think the, the, the disillusionment in the, in the writer's voice, in his words, is pretty accurate because how does a person know whether the, the program advice or the training advice you're following comes from someone? First of all, how do they know that the person even trains? Um, let alone, how do they know what recovery methods they're using to support their training? Anyone got any tips for them? Just getting back in contact, it's going to sound very um, flimsy, but get back in contact with your intuition. We're obviously conditioned from a young age not to not to follow our intuition and listen to it because science says and someone knows, inverted commas, but when you read something, you're exposed to information, there's, um, you can, if you really listen to your body, your body will give you insights into the direction to go. Um, it's as very simple as looking at something and looking at it all and saying, look, that'd be nice, but, you know, that's, there's no way that's happening if it's just 30 or 40 set training session program or something similar, you know that it's probably not going to serve you. And if you just want to be really sure about it, you know, do the program for a period of time and your body will tell you because the great thing about working with the body is it doesn't lie. So if you're not getting your results, I suggest the training you are doing, the recovery, your sleep, your nutrition, whatever it happens to be, is not optimal and it needs to change. So if you're measuring recovery, sorry, if you're measuring progress, for example, let's use a simple measurement of, say, weight, your body weight. Let's say someone's trying to get as big as they could and as measured by body weight, and we're assuming a fairly equivalent on, we're assuming all things equal in relation to body fat, how many kilos a year or how many pounds a year would be realistic to expect that someone put, say, on average over 10 years, um, clean? 
that is I don't know, but I've, I'll give you my experiences. Firstly, uh, as time goes on, the body, the, the body weight increase will probably diminish, I'd suggest, over time, depending on the maturity athlete and the age of the athlete. Um, I'm talking biological age, not just chronological age. Um, and then secondly, often, if you're chasing the same goal year-round, um, there'll be a, a diminishing, there'll be a plateau in, in achieving that result. So often, work with athletes and I'll have one GPP, might be eight weeks or 12 weeks, and I'll get phenomenal increases in size and strength during that time. Um, versus someone who's just consistently been training to, to put on size, so all year. So I'd personally suggest breaking it up um, through the year at some point in time. But anything, I mean, I, I don't know what, I'll use kilograms, but I'm suge- I'd, I'd suggest somewhere around, um, you know, I've had periods of people go, you know, consistently say for a period of time anyway, you know, half a kilo. And I don't know if that's exact muscle. I haven't done the just averaging it over the time they train, half a kilo um, to a kilo per week over a shorter period of time, and they'll retain most of that with a second GPP or a second block of training. So consistent gains are possible. I just wouldn't expect them every single week over a 52-week period. So what do you think, Carl, if we would average them on a yearly, average throughout the year on an average yearly basis over a 10-year period? Purely focusing on weight gain alone is over a 10-year period. There's no reason why you wouldn't be averaging two or three kilos a year, which allows you about 20 to 30 kilos over a 10-year period. Um, that's going to meet most people's expectations, I'd suggest. You think so? Then it also comes down to the quality as well. It's easy to put on weight, it's yes. just whether or not you're, you're happy with it. So that's ultimately down to the individual. The, the short, quick, easy road is to on any, any gains you can and that can be very, very quick. The challenge is if you want it to then become a, you know, the lean finished article, it's a, a, a tricky proposition. So again, on a, as a care by way, individualised program on a needs basis, but if you cover all the variables that was your sole focus, I think there really is no limit to what can be done. I've seen some pretty impressive examples that have been done naturally and even in personal experience. So I've already focused and it becomes one of my main couple of focuses in life, things change very, very quickly. I think one of the biggest keys that's often underrated is, is that mindset. When it becomes that burning desire, anything can be done. And I, I like to, again, reference Reg Park as a great example of what he's able to achieve and what the bodybuilders of his era are able to achieve. And I'm talking about going back to the 40s and 50s. They had physiques that 
you'd be proud of even in these days, provided you weren't trying to be a freak show or circus act. In in preparing for our huddle today, I came upon a, a forum exchange by others at a certain website back in 2003. So I'll just read you a few extracts from that. One, one of the writers had said from from reading um, Person X's material and, and Ian King's articles, they seem to be proponents of different volumes of training. Uh, Ian King has stated that to avoid, to avoid overtraining, you should perform no more than 12 sets in a workout, whereas Person X typically provides 20 or more. And someone else just wondered, well, I've come up with my conclusion that Person X trains pro athletes and these athletes have more access to uh, recovery methods and drug advice. Whereas Ian King's programs are better for the natural athlete or the recovery challenge athlete, that's my theory. That's that's what this person wrote. Someone else chipped in with um, if you have a if you have a good recovery system, you can handle high volumes. But if you've got a busy life and average recovery abilities, you go with Ian King's. Um, no one said Ian King's worked better for me personally. I know he works with elite and Olympic athletes as well, so they just seem to work better for the average guys. So it's certainly a topic that's been thrown around over the years because my training volume is definitely on the lower end of the continuum. And I believe there have been other people who would disregard it on the basis of that, which is their choice. But I don't believe the low-volume approach is is only optimal for clean athletes. I also believe the low-volume approach is also optimal for assisted athletes so again that'll be a subject in itself so we try examples of that there that I can think of straight away have had significant improvements from utilising your methods and they're well well versed we'll say in supplementing aids and have had phenomenal progress so again it's that that whole approach high volume may work for a, a small percentage but I think the majority definitely would benefit from that lower volume Excellent point. And I know all of you on the call have seen your own clients benefit from the training guidelines in terms of the getting bigger, stronger, and leaner market. Anyone else got anything to add in answer to our reader's question? So we trust we have answered his question and, and would encourage him, I'd encourage him to continue uh, being optimistic about his outcomes being willing to be patient and being willing to be disciplined but don't limit your outcomes don't feel that your outcomes need to be inferior so excellent question I appreciate the coach's input we'll talk